0: up welcome to jammers in the rough this week we have a special show for you all but before that I want to introduce our lovely co-host we have cody the absolute worst waldron we have josh oh the josh winter He's this week he gave himself a nickname <laughs> and as always you have myself Paige. but our special guest 1994 master cup winner scott stokely that's my favorite <laughs> tournament of yours that you've won so I'm going to shout that out. He's also fellow teammate, Birdie Disc Golf, sponsored athlete, and Mr. Australia himself. What is up,
1: Scott? How are you doing? Mr. Australia, I'm, I'm still not driving on the correct side of the road. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Every time I leave a place, I drive on the wrong side until I see somebody like driving right at me and then I re- remember.
0: Oh, man. I could imagine some of that. Like My plumber switched my hot and cold. So now, like, what used to be hot is cold now. And so, like, I'm still, like, turning it cold on myself, like, half the time. It's been, like, a month. <laughs>
1: yeah. It, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, <laughs> it takes a little getting used to. But it's kind of fun. I mean, it's fun, though. It, it, it's it, driving. is It's fun again. It's kind of like being 16 years old, and it's, like, a new experience. So it's, it's actually kind of fun in a weird way. <laughs> yeah. Which side is the steering wheel on? What? Which side is the
2: steering wheel on?
1: Oh, it's on the opposite side, also.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, everything. Oh, and the turn signal's on the opposite side. So every time I try to change lanes, I, I turn on the, uh, <laughs> the wipers. And I, I mean, and I mean, every, oh. So yeah,
3: I do that, but I'm, you know, in America, I still turn the wipers <laughs> on my turn.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I we so a little, I, I little shout out
3: from Mike Kemp. Oh, thanks for being such a stellar ambassador scott for the sport
1: thank you i'm having the time of my life i am doing my best to not embarrass our sport globally but today <laughs> is up. there's still time so it's early I, don't, I wouldn't rule anything out at this point
0: wasn't well, it say with like what you've seen since what, the 70s till now in disc golf are you even in a position to be like embarrassing our sport because i feel like You've seen like absolute, like probably the worst like disc golf, but also with that, the best and growth of it. So it's like, I feel like it'd be pretty hard to embarrass our sport at this point. <laughs>
1: well, I think that our sport's big enough to absorb it. I mean, nobody like, <laughs> like, nobody like it. Like, one player in the NBA isn't going to make people not like the NBA, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like, there's a point where I think we've hit a critical mass. So I probably can't harm our sport too badly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Darn, that's a, a very good point. Darn, <laughs> darn. <laughs> yeah, like I'm sure gonna
0: try those. Like, it's big in America, so I can't ruin it there. But let's go to Australia and see if I can ruin it over here.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you had NBA players fighting like fans at one point, and
1: people still watch. So you're okay. Yeah. Well, the weird thing is now it's like we've gotten so big. Like, eight fan Like, how many people on the airport? Uh, on the like in the airports coming over here? Probably what? It's like six people. Like four. Like four groups was it four? Like four four groups of people recognized me in the airports, just walking through the airport. Uh-uh. And I'm like, what the hell is going on here? I play frisbee golf. Like <laughs> but when did this happen? And these weren't people like leaving Austin and to like the day after I am Nationals or something like that. It's like like the airport in San Francisco, just random people. Like it's bizarre. It's so cool, but it's kind of surreal.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, did you ever imagine that? Especially like I feel like with how long your career's been, like you would have think like you know, like, oh, in the 90s, people would recognize me. But when that window didn't happen, the 2000 window didn't happen. But now all of a sudden it just blew up over the last, like, two and a half, three years. And now you're starting to get recognizing. Did you, yeah. like, like, ever wonder if that was ever going to happen?
1: No. So everyone says that. Like, are you surprised by how big the sport's gone? Are you surprised by any of this? And my answer is always absolutely not. I'm not surprised. Not one single player from the 70s and the 80s is surprised by what's happening. <laughs> And the reason I know this is that every single day at lunch between rounds, we talked about when it was going to be like this. We all knew it was going to be like this. Uh, it's just, we thought it was going to happen next year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it, it just took longer. It was like <laughs> next year is, for the last 30 years. <laughs> yeah, none, of this, none of this is a shock though. It's like, and the, here's the thing too, it's we're not even close to where we're going to be. I mean, it's not like we're like plateauing. Mm-hmm. Like we are like, in 100 years, when you look back at 2022, you're gonna feel like the sport's in its infancy. It's gonna be like baseball in 1890. Like it wasn't a brand new sport in 1890, but when you look at 1890 now, you're kind of like, that's the that's prehistoric. That's what 2022 is gonna look like in 100 years. So we're still in its infancy, especially globally.
0: No, and I feel mm-hmm. like I compare like disc golf right now a lot to that. Like I call it the silver age. I don't think we've reached the golden age of disc golf yet. I feel like no. we're that silver age, no. like the '80s basketball, right? Like, oh yeah, you have like your Kareem's, your Magic Johnson, which are like some of the greatest players to ever live. But the moment Michael Jordan came along, that game was ever like forever changed. And you had the golden era of basketball in the '90s and like the early 2000s, and it was like, oh, this is basketball, and this is like now this multi-billion dollar industry and I feel like disc golf is in that silver age where we have a lot of great players and individualizing and growth but it's like we don't have players that are like oh yeah since I was three years old I've been being coached to be the world's greatest disc golfer like we don't have that quite yet (laughs) where you see people that are forever training in our sport (laughs) we're we're getting
1: there if I have anything to do I mean I'm I'm doing everything I can to change the the teaching landscape in disc golf you know uh, uh for example well, you know, I have my six-month online become a complete disc golfer class mm-hmm. that you can read about scottsoakley.net. That's awesome because that's me getting to teach, which is how I support myself. And how, you know, because it's all online, virtual, remote, and uh, uh, but I'm also I just launched a website called disc dot which is a global directory of disc golf teachers that I'm letting anybody teach, or, or I mean, post in there. I'm not. I'm not trying to control the teaching of the sport. I want the culture of the sport to shift to where teaching and coaching is part of our game. I mean, once there's like high school disc golf coaches and little league disc golf coaches and professional coaches and trainers, now we've opened up the sport to another 5,000 people that can make a living doing this thing that they love when the culture changes. So that's, uh, I'm I'm really invested. And like discgolflessons.com is a big thing i'm focusing on right now
0: well like that like right there in itself like it's so unique compared to other sports i think disc golf always talks about the inclusivity that we have in our sport which is like awesome but then even there you're like okay here's this way that i'm going to allow people to not only coach but try to make a living off it but it's inclusive for everybody which is like disc golf it's not like oh how do we keep the rich getting richer in this sport it's like no how do we make this accessible to everybody so they can start to tap into that as a resource and then the sports continuing to grow. And I think that's such a unique thing for disc golf where it's really let's grow this sport. Let's make it inclusive for everybody where a lot of times, you know, especially like where like gatekeeping being thrown around a lot, it's like, no, like that might be a thing in a lot of other sports, but really right now we're trying to get exposure to it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And to be honest, I mean, I think almost everything out there is inclusive like far more than people see. I mean, aside from the occasional country club where you got to pay like 100 grand a year to join or some weird thing like that, it's like, name one bowling alley or darts club or archery club or disc golf club or, you know, polo club that if you showed up there and were nice, they wouldn't be like, cool, we're glad you're here. You know, like That's people, cool. the culture, is, I think the culture's changed. I'll give you an example of this. So we, <laughs> uh, a couple months ago, we were in, we were in Newport, Rhode Island, and I was like, you know, when, when we travel, we always go to see what people do there locally. And what was the town where the, the polo match was? Newport. No, we, we were in Newport. Or no, we were in Providence. No, so we were in Providence. But Newport, Rhode Island, is it's in the rich, richest, like, county in the United States. This is where there's all these $20 million mansions around there. And, of course, they have the oldest polo club you could like in the united states right i'm like the most elitist sport in the world i think and the championship polo match was going on that saturday and i'm like oh we're absolutely going to the championship polo match right and i wanted to go because i i wanted to go make fun of the rich people not out loud but we would you know <laughs> point and look at how pompous and pretentious they all are and like like we were just gonna we were like i was being very judgmental and that was the plan and then so you can buy tickets to where the common people go, or you can get a table up in the grandstand, which means you No, I'm sorry, there's a the regular area, then there's a the grandstand, then there's the expensive seats where you're, there's tables. And that's where the people with money go. And I'm like, well, we got to sit up there, but tables have six chairs and you, you have to book the whole table. And I'm like, screw it, book all six seats. So the two of us bought six <laughs> tickets just so I could sit with, the, with billionaires and and in my mind I was gonna laugh at them, right? Because they were gonna they were gonna be so rude to me because I wasn't gonna be dressed properly. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, kind of a long story, but we get there and it turns out like nobody was dressed up. You couldn't tell who was a billionaire and who was from the city. Everybody was nice to everybody. There were people of different races there. Like like there was like it was like I was so disappointed. because in the 80s like in the 80s they're they're damn sure would have been disrespectfully rude rich elitist people but I don't I don't think that's acceptable anymore so I we ended up spending all this money just to hang out with people like me and you (laughs) they just happened to be billionaires yeah yeah, I know. It's a very no, it's, long story without, without much payoff,
0: I apologize. No, it was, it was no, no good I payoff. think that's, a, like, I think it's a really cool perspective because I think, like you said, like, I, I've been one to label disc golf as, like, really this, like, inclusive sport, but now you're trying to just show, like, that that's really just not the way of the world anymore and that it is starting to get away from that. And I think I, I it's to-
1: just, not, it's not culturally acceptable. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, well, I don't want to get, like, all political or anything, but it's like, I, I lived in Colorado for 25 years, and I'm not saying there weren't racist people everywhere but it was not culturally acceptable anywhere in Colorado to talk in a certain way like like you were very much frowned like looked down upon if you did so even if it existed it was very much like it was not cool and okay like it was considered like well I, well, I never even heard it but but it's just I I think I think overall we're if we don't listen to the media it, it turns out people are doing pretty good my opinion yeah not all of them there's some there's some <laughs> there, no, I was gonna say most I'm of just- them
0: it's definitely, like, I think a unique like, exp- perspective and experience as well. And I think that's just kind of where it's all ever-changing. And, yeah, like, starting to, like, live and experience life. I think that's great. And I think, you know, that's
1: been one of those great equalizers. Well, here, I'll, here I'll, you, want, you want me to get on my soapbox and go deep for another minute? Oh, absolutely. Yes. All right. I'm going to talk, <laughs> talk about Portland. Right? Ooh. So, this, so my two – my I think my two favorite big cities are Portland and Cleveland. Hmm i love portland and i love cleveland and people find that so funny because the perception is that they're so radically different and it's like they're only radically different if you watch 24-hour news if you actually travel the people are like the here's the difference between the people in portland and the people in cleveland who they voted for and their opinions on like five issues that's like one percent of who a person is the other 99 percent of who we are like, oh, we want our kids to be healthy and we wish there was less trash on the street and uh, damn this traffic, whatever. 99% people in Cleveland and people in Portland are like the same damn people. If you don't live, there, the people tell you they're not. Mm-hmm. So I love Portland and Cleveland because they're just, they're they're cliches of like extremes, but they're not. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah.
0: No, I definitely get that. And living in Portland, I definitely realize how not extreme we really are. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
1: Well, but, they, I mean, it looks different. There's problems in Portland, but there's problems oh, in Cleveland. There's problems you know? everywhere, yeah. Problems everywhere. But when you talk to someone at dinner, like, if you don't ask who they voted for, you wouldn't know. I know. I Just, think there's only been there's only been two times
0: in my disc golf journey where I had to be like, hey, guys, hey, guys, let's not get political now. We've made it to hole 17. Let's not bring politics. It's only two times out of all of my cards, and it's like – when we're out there, it's been different conversations, and those are the shared experiences I think you're sharing and talking about. Yeah. Where you're like really trying to be like, oh, yeah, and like, no, we're just worrying about not bullying this hole, we're worried about hitting this putt. Like, we're not we're worried all, about all, like, we're all worried about the
1: same <laughs> damn thing. We want to win the tournament and not, you know, play badly because it is then with the drive home takes twice as long. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, so, exactly. It's one reason I love traveling. The perception is just different, yeah. Um,
3: It's like Manny said hi.
1: Oh, Manny.
0: Manny Trujillo? Oh, what's up, Manny? Yeah, he's one of of our amazing guests.
3: Yeah, amazing. Same guy gives a shade.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That's because I always mispronounce his name. (laughs) I'm terrible at names.
3: No, he is amazing.
0: (laughs) But I did, I mean, since I mentioned like De La Viega, and for me, I'm one of those people that like try to look at where we've come from to see where we're going kind of aspects. And so for me, like Dela is one of these courses that, so I'm in Portland, I have a buddy in Santa Cruz. I do yearly trips down there because it's one of my all-time favorite courses to play, even though it kicks my ass every single time. Um, It's just not my style of disc golf, and I like that. But I love the course. It's absolutely amazing. But with it getting pulled from the Silver Series this year and like being kind of demoted to its own A-Series, not that the history goes away, but I feel like the tension and the scope it's kind of pushing that away right the pro tour's being like well like some of the pros aren't having fun this is no longer silver series like for me i get worried about like the growth of the pro tour maybe like getting away from like the historical side of it and trying to pave ways for these new ways like you kept what is it uh sacramento the otb open where it's like a giant golf course and it's not not that it's not a fun and a, like good experience but it's like oh yeah you're sacrificing some of this history in favor of you know some of these more up-and-coming tournaments, so I wanted to see what your oh, your your thoughts are in regards to like maybe some of that history being maybe swept away. I
1: oh, you? I it, I'm just, I'm going to disagree with you there. And oh, not I mean just that's because,
0: good. That's that's why like, that's why I want to I want to hear you.
1: <laughs> not just yeah. 'cause you from Portland. Yeah. No, the, the pro tour is like one fiftieth of one percent of what disc golf is. Like not yeah. running. Not having the De La Vega on the Pro Tour doesn't take away from his history or, or what De La Vega is or what the Masters Cup is, or it doesn't remove the tradition or the memories or the uh, anything about it. But the Pro Tour, its specific thing has to accomplish certain goals. So when you, look at, when you look at two different courses and you say, oh, we want a course in this part of the country and we got two good candidates and this course is awesome. This course isn't as good, but the first course doesn't have parking, then who cares if it's a better course? Because part of the Pro Tour is also parking. Part of the Pro Tour is sponsorship. Part of the Pro Tour is having Wi-Fi for the live streams. And so they're, they're having to consider a lot of other things. I'm, I'm very good friends with the, with the people that run the, the, the tour. Um, in fact, I, I mean, I, one of the owners of the Pro Tour, I stay at his house a couple times a year. So I'm, I'm close with all of them. And, and they care very much about tradition. They value that. They're, disc, they're all disc golfers. But as a business of the Pro Tour, they have to consider these other things like making unpopular decisions because it makes better television. No,
0: so I, 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 yeah. no I definitely appreciate that. Because like for me, it's just like, you know, it might be such a small fraction of like disc golf, but I feel like the views and people that are seeing, especially as people come into the new waves and we have so many new players coming in. Like, I get worried about, like, two years, people not knowing what the Masters Cup is because there's not as much spotlight on it, and it being kind of... For me, that's what I get worried about, but I'm definitely glad that, like, the perspective and what you're sharing. So, yeah. I guess I'm just
1: giving you a little pushback. <laughs> no. Well, and, you know, best thing about history, right? I mean, things fade. Yeah. There's the thing called recency bias, you know, in sports, and and we will remember the recent things. De La Viejo will be part of our sports history. Oak Grove will be part of our sports history. La Mirada will. Like, there's mm-hmm. places that are that are going to be. But, you know, I mean, when it comes down to it, people care more about the modern NBA. It's almost yeah. like I say this when people talk about, like, a Masters tour or a, an AIDS protected tour. It's like we, uh, people, that's not what people generally want to watch.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, they want to watch the, the best and the brightest at the highest level today.
0: Yeah. No, and like for what Daylaw is, like it's an amazing course, but yeah, like hole two, for example, when they're throwing above and it's kind of fading like 320, like that hole is like it's hard to film and you can't really see the flight. And you have so many pros going up there with like, let me throw thumber, let me throw a grenade, let me throw hyzer, and it's so impossible to capture. And so like I get it, like like from that viewer's perspective like spectacle, it's like you might have fun throwing that shot. But from a filming standpoint and a highlighting standpoint, you can't really like spotlight that. It's just like, well, yeah. here's the disc where it landed in circle one. You don't know how it got there because we lost it in the sky. <laughs> so it's okay.
1: also a par fifty four course basically too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, if, if the PGA Tour still had a, a par fifty four course, it would be that would be unusual. Do you like. Wanna- that- that's a pitch and putt course. It, it it might be the best pitch and putt in the world, but it's still step up and throw to the basket and try to putt it in. Like it, it, you know, they, I mean, our sport has evolved. You know, to to a different expectations of how to play little chip shots. Of course you can play a championship course where you can throw every hole with your rock. You know, yeah. like at that. I mean, you know, I love De La Vega. I got married at De La Vega at the Masters Cup. Like, I mean, I I love that place, but. You know, I think a tour course needs to be, like, par 70, in my opinion. No, I mean – At least par 66, par 67. And, by the way, that also – I mean, Maple Hill is, like, my probably my second favorite course in the world. I love Maple Hill. And it's, like, I think they need to figure out how to make it harder, you know. Can you shed some
0: light, too? You talked a little bit about championship-level courses, and we've had a guest on the – like, in our past before that's very, like, you know – we we got we argued with them a little bit about championship level courses, but I want to hear from your perspective about like that, like oh this is a par 54 or a par 54 course, like it's not hard enough. Like, what do you think the ideal championship level course should look like, especially moving forward, where you're having so many different conversations about golf course, wooded, hybrid mixture, elevation. Like, what does this championship like level course start to look like
1: from your perspective? Uh, give me, I'll give me, give me a half second. Is this going to be annoying to you? If if am, am I going to be uh, bothering you? Your relaxing time being on the thing? I don't know. Are you sure? Okay, I don't want to. I don't want to be rude because it's the pool area. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. A man okay. of um, the people. The pool I, area. people. <laughs> the, I, don't, I don't even know what you call it. It's not like a hotel. It's someone owns like four rooms in a house. Um. So the question was, oh, what what a championship level course? I mean, I. I, I like courses. I think that par on a course right off the bat should be in the thousand ten, thousand twenty range. And by the way, none of these are fixed rules. Like I, I could see Maple Hill being a pro tour course for the rest of the time because it's so good and it just happens to be that weird par sixty course when everything else is par sixty six and that can be okay. You can have that. Like that can exist. Nothing wrong with that, having one of those. Um but I like par 70s. I like there to be length and challenge. And I think that if, like, here, Bradley Williams described this best, um, talking, I think it was at the Great Lakes Open. Um, I think that's a course he talked about, but there's other courses like this where you should get a dopamine hit when you get your par. That's a good hole. You know, and a birdie's spectacular, but you should never get a par and be like, "That no, it's a par. Like, and, you know, quotes are on never. You can't design 18 championship holes even on the best course. But you should feel good about a par. I mean, that is that is something that, like, you know, if a hole – Okay, look, look at look, take, take a hole that's a par four. And then at the end of the DGPT average is 4.2. You're, you're telling me the best players in the world couldn't even average par on that hole. And this is the best 80 players out of 15 million could not average par on that hole. You can feel good about a par. That's championship. And, and then when you get a birdie, you should really feel like, holy cow. And when you hear somebody birdie four holes in a row, you should be like, what? <laughs> what just happened there? And then when someone knocks off a seven under, you're like, Jesus Christ, that ain't going to happen again. Like, that, I that's what I like to see. I don't like double digits. I, li- I like hard. Like, that's just my, my personal take. No, know? I think
0: you're, I mean, for me personally, I think you're absolutely right. Because I can think back about the holes that I birdied, um, and I'm excited about those, but there's been a few holes where it's just like, Oh my God, I part this hole every single time. Like there's one um, at pier park where I've aced it once and I've never birdied it. <laughs> and so it's like, every time I step up there, it's like, I still want this birdie. I still want this birdie. Like it kind of just lingers in there, but there's like my favorite holes. It's like, Oh shoot. Like this is par. That par feels good at walking away um, and trying not to get greedy on it and just know that par plays. And like, that's like, I think horning meadows. I don't know if you ever played that here in Oregon um, where par is like a thousand rated, but it's, you know, just a difficult course. It's hard to navigate and it's like tightly wooded. So it's like you go in there and it's like, there's a lot of those holes where like, okay, I'm fine with this par stretch. I have six pars in a row and that feels absolutely amazing. I think I'm shredding (laughs) and that's not
1: normal golf. Here's, here's the other thing too. And this is just, again, this is just personal opinion, right? This is one of my pet peeves is I can't, I can't stand this idea of having a championship course and then making it short the rest of the year.
0: Oh, I can't stand that either. Like, like for like day La, for example, 27 holes. And most of the year you only have 18, (laughs) like, come on now. Like I want to play our Milo. Like they have 27 permanent holes that are in shorts and they don't have the full 36 layout at all times. Modified course for like the parking lot.
1: Yeah. Well, So, well, I was at Idlewild. This is like this is something that happens all the time. I'm in Idle, Idlewild. It's outside of Cincinnati. Idlewild's in, in my top five courses in the world. It's it's unbelievably good and hard. And par is probably thousand ten rated. It's, it's a great course. And uh, it's normal. It's oh, it's an 18 hole tournament course. And during the regular year, they turn that 18 holes into like 24 holes on the exact same piece of property because. Some of those holes, they combine two holes to make par fours for so the championship holes. And I was talking to the course designer and the head of the parks department. They just, they came over, they wanted to get my opinion on the course. And I told them how much I loved it. And they said, yeah, they go, they go normally it's 24 holes. Cause we wanted to make it, you know, more family friendly. And I'm like, you want to make it family friendly? I said, how many, how many courses do you have in Cincinnati? And they said, uh, we have 65. And I go, you have 64 family friendly courses. What the hell is wrong with having one championship course? Not only that, put well, people don't wanna shoot 100 on a course. Really, that never hurt ball golf? People shoot 100 on ball golf courses. Here's what, when you leave Wild out there, you have one course, championship course, people will make pilgrimages to it to see how they do. And when they go out and they shoot you know, 92, they're probably gonna still get one or two pars and they're gonna be like a par hole seven. And it's going to be like, it's going to feel so good. But they're also going to get to see what the pros are able to do, the level of play they're up against. Because when they see that these guys are shooting under par on this course, I can't even like par a hole. I don't think people get discouraged from that. And if they do, they got 64 other options. And I, I was like, why are you guys, unless it's for erosion reasons or, like there's, there are valid reasons to change some holes, you know. But other than that, it's like, you guys. Well, no, I think you're – 100%
0: right. Like, like I'm just like preach, like Scott preach because <laughs> like Blue Lake's my home course and that goes relatively unchanged all year. Like they don't change them at all. And but I went there because I needed to like take that step in my game. And sometimes taking the step in your game is getting away from like or realizing oh I outgrew this course. Not that it's not fun. Not that I'm not going to come here and play. But well, how am I going to take that next step? Let me go play Blue Lake on a regular basis and learn. And so going from like, you know, plus 15, my very first time out there to my best round now being negative seven and my best double round being negative 10. Um, or was it 15? It was 15. That's where it was negative 15. But it's like, I can start to see that. And I can start to see how my game can start to match on that championship level, how I can start to see growth and how I can start to see that pro tour and also how much growth I really need to get because I've thrown this hole over a hundred times and I've still never birdied it. Or if I birdied it and it's, like that one time and I've never been able to replicate it, so there's still a lot of growth that needs to happen in that, in my game and so I get really excited about that, but I think you're absolutely right where it's like, we need to be able to create championship level courses for that growth to take place in a lot of people's game, otherwise I think it's going to be like stunting a lot of people.
1: At least so. in a town at least in when there's a town of 65 courses.
0: No, yeah. exactly. Yeah,
1: you can, you can have the monsters that people want to stay away from.
0: But still then, I look at like southern oregon they have like whistler's bend which is i think a championship level course they have like tom pierce which is a good home course and then they have like bear creek golf course so it's like they only have like three really good courses down there but they each one's like one's a golf course so you can open up your arm one's a little bit of like wooded technical play on top of like traditional golf and then one's whistler's bend where it's high elevation tough par threes and so it's like, okay, if these are your three courses, so it's like, yeah, they don't have 64, but they have three courses that are going to give you the full array of golf, so that people in there can start to at least develop their game, accordingly. And so, yeah, but yeah, sure. No, I'm just, I'm absolutely in love with what you just said. So I'm gonna get Josh, our tech guru, to freaking screen grab that something because I'm gonna, I need to blast that everywhere and like, let me take
1: this to some <laughs> local clubs. <laughs> hey, I have a question. Someone, a couple of people posted questions about form.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm
1: can
3: can I? Up I think I just yeah,
0: saw
3: we it in some there. Questions. Uh, let's see. Well, why look for it? Here's this one. Uh, Good question for you. My what favorite you for? course. So I
1: got, I got my favorite course and the best course. My favorite course will always be Oak Grove Park, the world's first course, the one I grew up on. I mean that like nothing could ever replace that. It's my home course. I even tattooed it on me. Um, but uh, the, the best 18? course is, and on oh, eighteen no. <laughs> just on your but best course is uh yeah, is Eagles Crossing.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Eagles it, Crossing.
1: Yeah, I mean, that ha- there's no words to describe Eagles Crossing. I mean, it's uh, I mean it, it's 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 basically getting to play like a bit like the, when you de- design that course would be like like design like your Mario World or something like that. Yeah, where you just get. You know, there was this piece of land with these, with rolling hills and beautiful grass and lots of trees and terrain changes. And there were lakes and ponds and all this great stuff on, you know, that was already there. And then he puts a million and a half dollars into the course after the land already existed. And like, can you imagine what you could do with the course with a million and a half dollars? Like, and he's, he's not done. He's probably going to put another half million into it. So whew, he's not done yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's incredible
0: no that's exciting to see that's i mean that's definitely with how much it's been kind of shown this last couple years one of my dream courses to like you know travel destination let's go play some disc golf yep
3: all right and i found it any advice from you guys when it comes to working on form
1: oh can i answer that one
3: yes you can
1: (laughs) i'm sorry but i'm going to use that as a segue to plug something but definitely uh, because I, I have a six month online class, become a complete disc golfer, Um But the reason I'm plugging in is not to arbitrarily like use this opportunity to sell something. Uh, it's the reality that there, there, there is there is no tricks. There's no magic bullets. It's not like, hey, what's the one thing you can do to throw farther? It's like, no, you have to do all of your mechanics correctly. Like there's a lot of parts to the throw. There's never like one thing. So it's 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 having correct mechanics and correct form. That's why the class works. I don't those hot tips are helpful, but not really.
0: Well, I think it's one of those things too. Like you only can get so far by yourself, looking at your own form, recording yourself, doing field work. You only can get so far, but being able to work with somebody, like. I had one local pro that stepped aside to me in a, when I was warming up my puttings for a tournament. And he's like, Paige, do this, like, try this, try this. And just that little bit of things, like, I hadn't thought about. felt comfortable right away. That whole tournament, I just, I made the adjustment instantly and put it that whole tournament with it because I'm one of those people, like, you can't substitute tournament, like, reps for real reps. So it's like, let me use this for this tournament. Best putting experience of my life. And then I spent the next couple of months working on it. Um, but I feel like, you only can get so far by yourself. You need some all like outside, unbiased eyes helping create that form and like give you some... Yeah, I mean, there,
1: there's, there's, so, so, there's, so yeah, there, there's so many working parts. It, it, it all has to come together. I mean, there's so many different things you can do wrong, and every one of them costs you distance, accuracy, puts the nose up, causes less snap.
3: Yeah. And one of the things I do is when I, when I go play tournaments, I always just try to play myself in like a tier above what i should be playing at like for my rating because playing with better players makes you a better player because you're seeing the things they're doing like how they're releasing and it's i mean i don't think anyone in the throw is exactly the same as another person there might be a few like because there are mechanics to it but everyone has their own little thing they do that's different than everyone else and finding what works for you and just replicating it find that shot that you you know, throw your first 300 plus shot and then try to replicate that and try to make it farther. Um, Yeah, it's a fun journey, you know, gaining more distance and learning new shots and being able to continue to um, replicate it.
1: Well, actually, so you mentioned a couple of things there. Um, The the teaching philosophy that I have that I believe with all my heart, this is the only correct way to teach this golf. And I know I'm biased because it's also my opinion of how I teach disc golf. <laughs> but, you know, and, and I've even called it the Stokely Disc Golf Method, which is not a method of throwing. We all agree on the right and wrong way to throw. But the Stokely Method is a method of teaching how to get there. Uh, the, the real quick summary of it is that there's two very flawed ways that disc golf is taught and, or some version. The first is uh, just figure out what works for you and do that. Like, everybody's heard that at some point. I just do what works for you. And it's like, no, 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 no. Bad idea. Like, physics, biomechanics, that trumps your style or what just feels good. I mean, there's a right way to throw. However, there's an equally flawed way of teaching that everyone's done or learning, and that is watching a pro throw or or being taught to throw a specific exact way, Um, you know, watching Paul Macbeth in slow motion and then trying to mimic his movements. Everyone's tried that. It's worked for nobody. Um, The reason why you can't mimic another player's throw is that all of our bodies are different. Right? We have different sizes where we're different shapes, different amounts of muscle mass in different area, different flexibility, injuries, scar tissue, different ranges of mobility. Our joints don't even align at identical angles. It is basically impossible to mimic another player's throw their movement their timing and throw like them because you're you're using an entirely different machine to try to complete that action doesn't work so here's what my method is which i believe is that there are certain fundamental things you must do you can't just throw however you want you must do thing a you must do thing b you must do thing c you must do thing d right? You have to do these things. Every pro and tour does these things. However, once you're doing those things, I have zero say in how your body moves from A to B or how it transitions from B to C. That's your body and your timing. So that has to allow your body to move individual to you, but you can't just throw in where you want to. You still got to hit certain points. That's what works. This is why when you like... Like most people when they watch the pro tour, they'll say, look, everybody throws differently. When I watch the pro tour, I say every single one of them throws basically the same. They just have different bodies accomplishing the identical task. And that's what I've separated is that there's certain things you do. If you do those things, you throw correctly for you. But there's still things, there's still rules. you got to, there's still got to do it a certain way.
3: Yeah, that makes, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Because there are like the, core parts to it you know your stance your footwork you know the snap like there's a lot of
0: like you gotta get your hips involved right like yeah
3: you you get the hips engaged if your hips
0: aren't involved you're not gonna throw very good
3: (laughs) yeah that's one thing i struggle with is like leaving the hips facing the wrong direction just like trying to throw all upper body at first and then once i realized move the bottom half it's like where did that distance come from
1: yeah well that's the, and that's the process the, the the method that i teach is a process to get there i don't teach the end result that doesn't work like here's what the throw looks like what i teach is you do this fundamental thing and once you're doing this thing we add this layer to it and that layer that's why my six month online class works it's not just videos of me telling you what to do it's actually there's a video and a process well sorry it's not video it's live it's a live classroom and then you go out and do those things and then you post videos and i have a handful of trainers that work for me and myself we analyze those form review videos making sure you have those steps then we send you off to the, do the make the corrections to the next step you work on that you post form reviews after the entire back and forth process where we incrementally add layers to your throw and it ends with holy crap i didn't think an online class would work this is amazing <laughs> well i think that's a great well, way to like, like oh go ahead sorry Oh, I, so I don't want to be like just like trying to like sell my class the whole time in here, though that's very not interesting for your viewers. I'm sorry. No, no, oh, I think that's, that's exactly where, like, don't ever like
0: apologize because that's where like our viewers are at. Like, one of the things that we look at is we have three different levels here and we try to bring three different levels of perspective. And when we have a guest like you, that's that fourth level of like perspective, right? So, like, Cody, for example, is like an MA3 player, Josh is an MA2 player, I'm MA1, transitioning to MPO now. And so that's three unique perspectives. So when we talk about these things, like we don't try to like, you know, overrun or be like, this is the way it should be or anything like that. Cause there's this unique perspectives, but with like, with what you're sharing our like fan base is very much that too. Right. Like they're going to be encompassing. Like I look at like uh, the averages came out for the hardest, like the, the most average rating. So the highest average rating state was Oregon and the average rated player was 870, and that's the highest. So, you get all these other states and that those ratings get lower and lower. And so I think these are all like, if you're going to be listening to a podcast like this, you're probably going to fall within some of that average range of like rating and disc golf. And we're all, we're all working on our game. If you, you say Simon and Paul Macbeth aren't working on the game, then you don't know what you're talking about because they're still improving the game. And I feel like these core concepts and what, when you were speaking about what really spoke to me is you're getting away from being like, um, result based which is like i want to throw 500 feet so let me spend 600 like or six months to throw 500 feet like that could be a goal you can get to but you're taking that goal away and being like well let's start to teach proper mechanics and fundamentals of movement and start to get your best like form you can and what happens with that happens with it but right now we're going to focus on which i think what disc golf is all about is how do we be consistent within ourself and within our form and be able to kind of replicate these throws on any given day and i think that to me is something that you like. You spoke to, which is like I think really important to hear, because like I said, like a lot of people are like chasing that. Like I want to throw three fifty, I want to throw four hundred, I want to you know have eighty well, percent putting, like those things. Like,
1: and things are gonna happen. I mean, that, that's I mean, like that is the goal. Mm-hmm. Just I, I'm just a, I believe that mechanics are everything. You know, yeah. like like oh, what's more important, mechanics or mental game? Well, that's a really easy answer. There's a lot of people out there with great mental games that aren't good at disc golf or sports. Everyone with good mechanics is good. Exactly. Like, I mean, I can, watch, I can watch someone throw one time, and I'll tell you, like, w- within one throw, I'll be like, yeah, you throw 450, you've been playing for 12 months. I mean, I like, good mechanics is just, it's, I mean, that is, that the
2: Well, and um, Scott, sorry, I don't have a voice very much, but um, I'm an elementary school teacher. And so I break down stuff into cues, kind of like how you're talking about when like I'm teaching basketball right now, I have to teach you what part of your fingers you're pushing with, what part of your, what you're doing with your eyes, what you're doing with your elbows. So if I just try to tell a kid, Hey, dribble from here to there, they're not, they're not going to get it. But when you break stuff down into different elements, that's when you see true learning happen. So it makes me think about like what you're doing. It's, probably going to be tried and tested and true because that's how everything is taught. So if I'm trying to teach a 10-year-old how to throw a Frisbee, which we do in class, I can't just say, all right, pick it up and you're going to throw from here to there. We have to talk about your grip. We have to talk about what you're doing with your arms. So it it is a lot more successful and effective when you do teaching cues to uh, get learning.
1: Right on. Let's yeah, see.
3: So your course is uh is said six months?
1: Yeah, it's six months. There's two live classes each month, plus unlimited number of form reviews over those six months. Uh and you go to ScottSookley And you can pay all at once or you can even pay in six payments. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really easy. It's also uh, I, I'm gonna start pitching as a great Christmas present because people are always looking for Christmas ideas. It's like it's a good one. Like
3: it's a really good one. And six months, that's a that's a good amount of time um, because I've seen. Oh, I was
1: going to say it's six months on purpose because um, I do two classes a month for six months. Um, I played with the idea of doing four classes a month for three months, same number of classes, but I didn't feel that that was enough time in between classes to work on stuff. Because if you're doing a class every single week, what if a person's busy that week? Like that doesn't work. So I I did the six months on purpose. So, when you start the class, six months into the class, you're still posting form reviews if, if, and, and working on stuff. That that felt way more appropriate. So then I run two classes side by side, six months.
3: And do you have uh, options to, for people like to continue on with you yeah. after six
1: months? 100%, yeah, we do it through Discord. Uh, there's a continuing yeah. education. Uh, the way the continuing education works, we literally charge $5 a month for the continuing education where you can post form reviews. And the only reason I'm charging the $5 a month is that I have to pay trainers to be in the room to get form reviews for yeah. you. So um, it's the continuing education. It's basically a break even like I've, I've already made money from you in the class. So the continuing education, is just basically let's make sure you still got this.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And in, in the six months, that's, that's a great, that's a great time frame. I've seen a few that are like two months, but like having six months dedicated with like, weeks in between the classes so you can go practice what you just learned i mean that's a that's a really good chunk of time well it's um, two to help your it, form
1: it's it's two classes <laughs> and then several weeks off because um with each with putting backhand and sidearm those mm-hmm. classes uh it is just one week till the next class mm-hmm. because i'm giving you something very specific to work on to build pot. it doesn't take two weeks um and then the rest of them are well they're all two classes but the rest of them are just strategy mental game win play just selection building a bag yeah.
3: and what's your what's your pricing for your classes for your six month uh,
1: class? Six month classes is, is three hundred dollars.
3: Not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. That's you get a lot of information for that though.
1: Yeah, bucks a month. I said two live classes, and if you can't make the live classes, it's they're all recorded. And if you post the live the live classes are great because you can post questions and get the answers in real time.
3: But yeah.
1: trainers are in the group every day, so if you miss a live class and you post a question, all that means is you might have to wait an hour for your answer. Yeah, you know, which not as good as real time, but it's not like you don't get them. Yeah, the
3: live classes is a cool touch. That's that's yeah. really cool.
1: Oh, I I thought about doing a, a recorded class because I could do a much better recorded class if I recorded it, and I polished it and I made it perfect, and then I I, I wouldn't have to like show up there because I'm doing the classes at like two o'clock in the morning Australia time. Yeah, <laughs> but I opted not to do that because I didn't feel like a recording was the same as a live interaction with a human. I felt like it was worth it to to do the live classes so people have that connection and the the, the interaction
3: yeah i love it that's it just sounds awesome and it's a that's a great price for what you get for it the live, uh, yeah. the, live the live uh classes alone is it puts you yeah. like, up here yeah. in the competition
2: thank you <laughs> that's like one week of like travel baseball <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah that's cheap
1: yeah, we'll keep all busy and we have putting contests and all sorts of stuff that we keep we keep we keep it fun, interacting the whole time.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. Ooh.
1: I do want to do a
0: giveaway. So yeah. Just because we're kind of not necessarily running out of time, but want to make sure that we're given time to do a giveaway. So we have these Scott Stokely Marvels, which to me are some of the best putters out there. I love the point and shoot aspect of them. They come in the Scott Stokely stiff blend. Um, but And Scott, I want you to talk a little bit about it. So the question is going to be Scott came into this year at a certain rating. And one of his goals was to get back over that thousand rated hump. And with that, you came into the season to, you know, go into the pro tour, you know, get over that thousand hump, kind of show like showcase what you can do. Now you're still here very much, you know, battling things out. So the question is, what was his rating at the beginning of the year? His first rating update of 2022 and then, Scott, can you talk a little bit about your goal? Because clearly you've achieved it. And, you know, in a, not only in a big way where you're like 1,001, you're what, the 1,006 right now with so 10 rating points and, you know, a very hard, hard field and hard courses. So, yeah.
1: Well, so my goal was to, I wanted to be 1,020 by the end of the year. Um, and, uh, because I, like I hadn't trained or put any time in I wasn't really practicing before the season I was playing tournaments but I, w- I would just show up playing tournaments blind I didn't really care mu- as much about the tournaments themselves and um, and not that I didn't care but it's, it's like I was focused on my seminars and my teaching more than anything and I wanted to get up to a thousand twenty um I did get up to a thousand seven thousand six but uh, because it carries your past ratings into it I had to be I was shooting like a thousand fifteen the last five tournaments. Um, in fact, up, up before the last tournament of the year, uh, no, what was that? Like, going into Worlds, I shot, like, a thousand nine, thousand ten, thousand sixteen, thousand seventeen, 1,016, 1,017, and 1,024 were my five tournaments leading up there. So, I was up in that 1,017 range by the end of the season. I was playing at that level. But that only carries the rating up to, like... Yeah,
0: it's uh, like, you're just like one or two points at the time, which... For me, I'm like one that doesn't like pay stock in a lot of the rating things because like that, like you played on a high level for such a long time, like that five, six tournament stretch, which is like two to three months at that level. And so it's like, well, ratings aren't reflecting that, but the play is And yeah. so like for me, like I'm always like, let's breathe some life into that play.
1: Yeah. Ratings are very accurate. They're way more accurate than people think.
0: <laughs> Don't tell me that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs>
1: well, the thing is, is we have people have a natural bias of what of what their perception is but the the math is the math is when the math and your perception disagree the math is correct math is not flawed we are yeah. flawed
0: exactly yeah.
1: uh the thing about the ratings is anyone who understands math and any math people out there are are pretty much like yeah this they, it's pretty darn good the way they do it um, there's not. It's not without its flaws, but it's better than people think. When they're complaining about ratings, it's like, no, it's none of the things y'all are saying are true. It's they're good,
3: mm-hmm. and all the answers we got so far are close, but none close, of them are right. Nobody,
0: nobody with the right answer yet. Oh man. Well, I also Somebody's respect them for straight. not just people. No, one the right <laughs> no,
3: <laughs> They're close though. There's, there's, they're close.
0: So as we start to look at, too, in the future directions of, like, disc golf and people's ability to kind of find and carve their ways out, like, I remember watching one of your videos, and I kind of, I don't know if you called it this or if I called it it or I coined it myself just for how I think about it, but, like, the Stokely Tour, right, where this is a way that you can exist without traveling to the Pro Tour and trying to find a way to get used to that touring. Um, So with that, like, I have one of my closest like disc golfing friends. His name's Colin, CH Sports. So I'll give him a little bit of shout out. But he's wanting to take that journey for himself next year as an upcoming pro um, because he wants to step away from Oregon where it's so hard to win and get that recognition. And he wanted to go and explore. So I wanted to see if you wanted to talk about that, but then also what you're currently doing in Australia. So it's like, here's the Stokely tour, and here's what Stokely's starting to do to kind of carve like a whole other
1: path. Yeah. We, gotta win. we got a winner first.
3: Yeah, 95. Alex V.
1: All right. You win a bunch of stuff. Cool. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, so here's the thing. Okay. The disc golf pro tour is not touring. The disc golf pro tour is the disc golf pro tour. It is a very specific branded series of events. The the disc golf tour is not branded to a series of events. Disc golf tour means going out and playing disc golf. You know, I, so to me being on tour, as opposed to vac- like a vacation is when you're out there just playing and you basically have money and you're depleting your funds as you go. But if you're out there doing disc golf as you're living, doesn't have to be prize money. It could be, it could be prize money. It could be running doubles events while you travel, doing lessons, selling merchandise, tie dyeing shirts, cooking grilled cheese sandwiches at tournaments. Like, I don't care what it is, but if you're out there making your living, sustaining yourself, that to me is you're on tour, uh, at least my definition. And it does not matter what tournaments you go to. You can go play any tournament anywhere in the world or any series of tournaments, and that's the tour. And there are so many good tournaments on good courses with good players and good experiences that aren't the DGPT that, like, people are just shooting themselves in the foot if, it, if they're thinking it's an all or nothing There are so many places in the country that are so beautiful. Like you could just stay in the Western third of the U S for eight months a year and you could play nothing but the most beautiful courses in the most beautiful cities in the country. And, and with cool people and like, it's, it's amazing. Like you don't have to be, I don't want to like name cities and make people mad. Um, But you, you know, you don't have to be in Tulsa. You could be in Missoula, Montana. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Tulsa. <laughs> I knew but, I was going to.
0: We have a buddy it, here that's from Tulsa and or from Oklahoma, and he knows how bad it is. No, not, yeah. <laughs> it, it,
1: no, no, there's nothing wrong with Tulsa. There's nothing wrong with any city. <laughs> it's just that it, the cities out west are gorgeous, and 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 the level of competition is not going to be as high as the DGPT. So if you're like if you're a nine ninety rated pro and you're playing tournaments in Utah and Montana, you could win tournaments out there because you shot a 1,008 for the week. And by the way, that, that that was a $900 win. Like, you don't even cash when you shoot a 1,008 on the DGPT, even at a Silver Series. And if you do cash, you're getting last place cash, which is your entry feedback. Like, it's just it's a whole different universe out there. It's like, you could go just do fun adventure things during the week between tournaments. There's like, if you like, the, I like outdoor stuff. So there's so much fun stuff to do in the Western third of the country during the week that you don't find other, not all, but most other parts of the country, um, especially not if you're required. You must be at this tournament and then this tournament, then that tournament. You get a choice where you go. I'm not Again, not complaining, it's just there's a whole different world. And so I think if people could recognize that You know, that is, you are playing disc golf for a living. You are on tour 100% for sure. You're a touring disc golfer if you're out there playing disc golf every weekend.
0: No, and I think that's a great way to look at it, too, because I feel like one of the the unique things about disc golf compared to, like, some other, like, sports or competitive games is that you, in a sense, can see from, like, inception to, like, this path exists for you to maybe get to a pro level level. You know you just have to navigate that path and so like being able to talk about like yes the tour is one part of it but there's also this is what touring really is and this is how it can exist for yourself and you know i think that's for me that's something special to hear because i mean a lot of people put like say the pro tour on this pedestal and they forget all of this other yeah. other things that exist
1: well and it, it deserves to be on a pedestal it's a very special thing but it's just not the only thing you know exactly like- you know, there's so many experiences out there that you can have. The other thing is, is when you're like, there's nothing wrong with it being a transition either. Let's suppose you're a 990 rated pro. You want to go out to pro tour right now? You might you might struggle a lot. But you go out and play, play the regular tour, you get practice at winning. You get practice at coming from behind. You get practice playing well in pressure situations. You, you get practice, you know, competing against someone you might not like, but you're you're going to play with them three rounds in a tournament because you, you, you two are the two best players there. Like, you learn these skills that, that uh, you're not being thrown to the wolves right away. And then when you do decide to go play with the wolves, you're better equipped for it.
0: Yeah, because I was going to say, like, those things, like, don't change, right? Like, how do you exist with the pressure of having to do good at this tournament? That's going to be, like, especially, like, it's going to be magnified where it's like, oh, if I don't cash... I don't, how am I going to make it to the next stop? I got a cash. I was like, how do you start to battle with that pressure and live with it and do this in a safe, controlled environment before you kind of hit those like next steps? I think is kind of important as well because the pressure is going to be there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So it's, uh, I don't know, I I swear by it. I mean, I do, you know, the DGPT is a very recent thing. We were touring in 1992, there was no tour. Yeah. You just found a tournament near the one you were you know, and, and we, it, we did just fine with it.
0: No, I'd no, love to hear that. Cause that's, you know, I grew, like I, I, talk about like, I grew up rodeoing and that's what we did with rodeo. It's like, all right, 12 hours to get here. We did this the show enough money to get home or enough money to get to the next show. And then you're just, that's how you're like, sub, like subsidizing and you're learning to live in a KOA or crash in your truck. Like not crash, but like, you know, sleep in your truck and things like that. Cause that's a part of the sacrifices you make in order to do the things that you love. And I think that's important. And that's like where I feel like disc golfers, like sometimes you have to be uncomfortable to go and do these things and put yourself out there because hard. If, you just, if you want to be comfortable, like you're not going to get out there because it's not, not a easy way. You
1: want, you want to be a stand-up comedian. You got to be the opening act for a year or two on the road. Exactly. Like it's, you know, it's hard, but it should be hard. You should pay your dues. Yeah but but paying your dues is you're still paying your dues playing smaller events that's still that's still during
0: yeah no exactly and they're all steps forward right like a lot of people want to act like Rome was built in a day but it wasn't they but they worked on it every day right you're paying your dues you're starting to work on these every day and take these steps moving forward and i think that's important to realize that like yes you might have had a lot of growth in like two or three years especially for some of these newer players but you know, five, six, seven, eight years is still gonna be some of that time frame for some people into to getting to that, you know, like really competitive touring level.
1: Yeah. I mean
3: I I, I'm sorry, I just love this comment that popped in here. It's from uh Corby, one of the viewers. <laughs> Scott Stokely is convincing me to buy a van, abandon my job and family, and head out on tour. Who wants some grilled cheese?
1: You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Put yeah, and especially if you have the opportunity to like put the family thing on hold for a little bit while you're young. Thank hey God. Like, here I'm gonna piss off every parent out there, but don't go to college when you're nineteen years old for crying out loud. If you love disc golf, why the hell are you in college at nineteen years old? You're you're not gonna be nineteen years old in four years. You'll never be nineteen years old again. Like, go go do this. Do this while you can.
0: I mean how many thirty year olds are wishing right now, like, oh the amount of money I put into school from nineteen to twenty two what if I put that in my disc golf career you know yes. like yes go experience do things like i I am hundred percent with as a parent like I'm trying to like create a path that my daughter can have that choice that it doesn't have to be like go get this traditional education for four years like that's gonna be there go twenty eight to thirty two when mm-hmm. you know what you want to do with your life at who at nineteen knows what the hell they, they want to do with their life <laughs> oh.
1: no no so, they're get they're going to give you, a, at the, at the universities aren't going to tell you that. They're no. going to like, you're going to show up to a university and say, I would like to borrow $100,000 so I can get a degree in gender studies. And the university is going to be like, cool, sign here. <laughs> they're, they're not exactly they're not out for you. They're a business like any other business.
0: So I do want to be mindful of time. We are going yes. to come into a close. I got
1: about 15 minutes and I got to go surf. I'm in Australia.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this transitions us to like maybe our closing thoughts So we take maybe like a minute or two And each one of us kind of just shares what we thought Or what we're thinking So with that, I mean, Cody, since your voice is a little bit hoarse Do you want to start us off with some of your closing thoughts?
2: Uh, sure uh, First I'll say Zach <clears throat> Ooh, uh, Scott Thank you uh, Thank you for coming um, It was really cool to hear you talk about like I said, just being a teacher myself, hearing you talk about going through the motions and building on top oh, of man. skills. Shh, shh. <laughs> so sorry, I got a three-year-old right here. Pick it up, He's parents. very excited. Zach, say hi. hi.
1: But it, it was
2: really cool to hear you talk about that because that is when I do see learning happening when it's building on top of skills, not just saying, go out and do this. Here's the end product. You can't do that so it's it's really encouraging to hear that's how you're running your stuff uh so definitely check it out um and thank you again just for coming here and spending some time talking disc off with us it's awesome sorry i have no voice you're good man
0: <laughs> well i will say too as we're kind of pulling things to a wrap um if you guys have any lingering questions now's the time to ask it but we'll transition to josh for some of your closing thoughts
3: yeah uh definitely it's it's First off, so great to have you on, Scott. Um, I loved hearing about what your program looks like, you know, at scottstokely.net. That six months, great Christmas gift gift for anyone looking. Um, Yeah, it was great to hear another perspective of someone who's done the pro tour for so long and, like, what that's like and what that grinds like. And it kind of, like, kind of gave me a little bit of ambition of, like, what if I, like, dedicated to, like, the West Coast? Like, just trying yes. to like do that little tour right there. Why do I have to like focus my mind on like how cool it'd be to like going on the pool pro tours when there's something I can do right now. Yes. Like not hard to do even with a family not on hold and even without a van. Um, but just traveling up and down I five, um, try and hit those things. So I really appreciate that part from this tonight. It kind of like opened my eyes a little bit to
0: awesome
3: um, what I haven't been seeing. If that makes
0: sense. No, I'm in that same way, Josh, because I've thought about that for a while, and I try to like, for me, like my little touring looks like the like, kind of like not two thirds, but it's like one third of everything. So it's like when the West Coast push happens from like May to July, I try to like get in as many of those ones I can, the bigger ones, silver series. And then there's like another push at the beginning of the year, like the, like Texas and Vegas area. Cause it's like, I don't mind driving 18 hours. I've done the 24 hour trip to Arizona. So it's like, Oh, can I work that in? Then I'm hitting like two legs in a year. And for me, that's more than I can like ever like truly commit. So I think that perspective is unique, but um, Scott, we wanted to kind of create some time for you as well and see what some of your closing thoughts are.
1: Yeah. I would say Closing thought just to like this to uh, piggyback on what I was saying Was that you, you don't you don't have to have prize money or sponsorship to tour There are so many ways to make money on the road Just merchandising and running events and Doing clinic and, uh, I mean those are probably the three big ones But like You you don't need to make prize money an amateur can go out and tour tomorrow if I if, like, like I I give away my prize money I don't even, I don't even like keep my prize money like I don't think prize money even matters unless you're one of like six people not really you know and not that it doesn't matter but it's kind of on the grand scheme of things when it comes to expenses prize money still is not anything
0: no you look at like the average salary these days and like how much is a touring pro like payouts? Not meeting a national average for like you know a yearly income, especially yeah. with like inflation and everything. So it's like, oh yeah, it can't be that. So if you're looking at like going on tour, like when I tell people when they start to look about like what what does it look like to be sponsored, the first thing I ask like, well, what do you want and what are you looking at getting out of them? And if you can't answer that, then it's gonna be tough to get a sponsor. And that same thing with tour, like outside of money, what are you looking to bring in to subsidize yourself, but then also continue to exist like outside of it? Because if you're just doing the tour to do the tour and, you know, being out there and trying to rely on prize money, it's going to be a very difficult, you know, existence. But if you can partner with, you know, Uplay or something and do a clinic with them or if you can start to sell merchandises or buddy up with some other vendors and find these different unique ways to bring in some different income, then all of a sudden the 20000 in payout that you've gotten over the year is met with another twenty to 30000 of kind of hustle, right? Like I always, like Ulibarri for me is a hustler, right? He's always out there hustling. He's in everything and he's doing so many different things and he's existing not necessarily off of his winnings, which has maybe taken a dip this year but on everything else and it still allows him to do what he loves, which is disc golf.
1: Yeah, the prize money doesn't I matter. Mean, like I said, I've been giving out, I mean for the last two years, I've given away all my prize money. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm an amateur. Hmm all intents and purposes and so there's just so many different ways like making 500 to a thousand dollars a week on the road is very easy really easy. if you treat it like a job and and you approach it like a business like it's that's that's easy hard to yeah. compete and do well like that's you know it's very challenging yeah. but like selling merchandise and teaching clinics and doing private lessons and running events and like having an online store that you're promoting i mean all this stuff is a breeze. In my opinion, so it it, it just means that it's a uh, it, it's obtainable for anybody that wants it.
0: No, I love that sentiment absolutely because it exists and it's up to you to like take full full benefit of it. Same thing with this golf. Like when we talk about your six months, I look back at my six months and how much I've grown independently, or you know, not independently, but with my very few support system. But if I had like six month, you know, coaching clinic. In that same period of time that I've already spent six months, could I have gotten that much more growth by disinvesting yeah. a little bit more into that and a little bit more into myself? And the answer is absolutely yes. You know, 100%. It doesn't matter like if it's like Stokely.net or, you know, one of our local pros wants to take an investment and I pay them for six months. Like these things are going to make you better. And it's just, like the same thing, just invest in yourself, take that little bit of time and realize like the only thing that we're, we're negotiating with is that time. Because if I do, say, sign up for Scott Stokey now and not six months ago, well, that six months is going to be that change in the future. And so it's mm-hmm. like, well, time's always moving. So I think that's important to start to look at.
1: Um, Absolutely. Cool. Hey, I do have to run you guys. I'm, I'm about ready. Yeah. Like.
0: No, definitely. Yeah. Scott, I just wanted to kind of get some of that in point, guys. So yeah.
3: Thanks for being here. Yeah. And have a yeah. great day. Have fun surfing.
1: Yeah. I, I've only surfed once before. I took a lesson in Santa Cruz and I didn't quite – like I surfed only if you put quotes around the word surf, but I, <laughs> yeah. but it'll be my second day surfing. So I, 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 I
3: Awesome. Well, have a blast.
1: We'll find out. Thanks man. Thanks yeah, you guys. So much. I Bye. All right. Thanks all.
3: All
0: right. So if you guys are holding off still, we have a giveaway. Raffle. I have a glow pig that we need to raffle off. Um, So, Josh, can you do that for us? What? (laughs) The RNG, I told you! Man, Uh, Josh uh, is not prepared as usual. We prepared for this already, guys.
3: I'm always prepared. A a raffle, (laughs) up get out of here.
0: But, (laughs) sorry, a waffle. (laughs) But, no, with that, guys, I did want to, like, I have my closing thoughts, but I don't need to take up any more of our time. We can do the giveaway. Let's do the giveaway separate. Um, if you won the 985, please message me. You get two. Alex oh, Alex. So, Alex, send me the colors you want and I'll get them shipped out to you. Guys, how amazing was that? We just had Scott Stokely on our podcast. And guess what? He wants to come back. So, like, I'm just absolutely amazed and flabbergasted. I don't want to talk too much outside <laughs> of thank you, Scott, for validating me. Championship level courses. Are designed for championship level oh, players. Up. Thank you, Scott. This is going to be the I last have a time voice, using on that. You, you hear me saying that because I've been I love validated. It. I love That's it. all that matters. With that, guys.
3: Nope, no, nope, nope. You got to thank our sponsors, sir.
0: I know. I, I was getting into that. With that, guys. <laughs> you, you, you forgot. We want to thank our forgot. sponsors. What's this? Jammers in the Rough, our sponsored podcast. We have some amazing people that are making this happen. Dark Ace Discs rare air discs black vinyl discs terminal velocity and ch sports all making this happen so without you guys man we would not exist so like subscribe to our sponsors not even to us go to them and go support them buy a disc buy a die subscribe on youtube do what you can to grow it because that's what we're about and what we're trying to do so with that guys Keep jamming it in the rough. I'll see you next week. See you guys.